Geek Shock. Geek Shock. I mean, I know you're recording. I'm just wondering what the, the side eye look thing is. I'm just doing. finding out what he what, what he thinks of the Tim Tam. Oh, you're waiting for the opinion. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah, okay, it's, 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 it's okay. It's all right. Mandy, he thinks it's just okay. Wow, I love that's, my Tim Tams. The double the double that coat is, where is, that is the shit. Yeah. The double coked coat. See, it's called double coat. No, it's double coked. It's a uh, double coked. Made with you, you did it wrong. You're supposed to use your nose. Made that with irresistible real chocolate. Wow. One of these options is a transsexual cat. It's weird. <laughs> what now? Look, 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 Jeff look, has made look, the mistake. Ru- RuPaul's cat world I here. Did, I did make. Oh no! Is it it made me. A, it made me <laughs> one. Instagram. No, it's Jeff made the mistake of showing Andy that Facebook now has photo filters. Yeah. Look at this one. I vomit, I vomit rainbows. <laughs> Yeah, look at that one, everyone. Look at that one. Yeah, I like that one. Was that good? Did Did you enjoy that? I was showing it to Jeff, not to everyone. <laughs> I thought we we're still in the mucking about. Right, Jeff, I need to know what do you think about these are uh, not vo- iced vovos. These are pretty good too. I yeah, had an iced like vovo. That, that was given to us by Amanda. Those the, the, the like fa- those are the family cookies that are. This is like the Australian cookie. Oh my! I like it a lot. Mm. She says that they're not great. No, but I could see why they'd be my favorite. Mm. I like it. Yeah, uh, these have a very grandmotherly feel to them. (laughs) (laughs) How exactly does a grandmother feel, Andy? A little wrinkly. (laughs) Of all of us, he's probably the one that would know, right? Oh. Oh. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 460. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Boop. Oh, I mean, fact check Andy again. Sorry. And we're here to talk week and geek. And hello, all you scoops out there who might be discovering us for the first time post Scoop Fest. Scoop. Now, I I might sound a little under the weather because I am. Somewhere this weekend, I picked up a nice little cold to go along with everything. Told you not to lick the scoops. I, well, that's what one's supposed to do. I guess so. That's in the rules. At least that's the charter that I was given. He that's, got some con That's why I never kiss him. Andy, con crud. Con Andy, crud. Uh, con crud. licks the beaters from the mixer. So. Yeah, but I do the challenging level where you don't turn them off. Yeah, I, yeah, I, w- I was getting to that part. Oh, well. I stole your gag. So for as long as my voice holds out, I will, I will be trying to run this show. At some point, if it gets too much, I might have to hand over notes to Kay. Oh, that'll Uh-oh. be fun to read the good. Until then, you have to deal with my sexy baritone. I love Kay cold reads. I'm ready for that. <laughs> I like the cold reads, too. That's yeah. fun. That's a challenge. Wow. How come I'm never allowed to cold read? Well, because. Good enough answer for yeah. me. All right. <laughs> because reasons? Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I noticed that uh, Matt is sick, too. Did you click him? I'm not saying that for the audience, whether I did or not. Uh huh. He pleads the fifth. That's up to you to decide. I drank the fifth. <laughs> 
So this weekend was Scoop Fest. What yes. a fantastic time. Yeah. I want to thank Ice Cream Social for inviting us out. Yay. It was so much fun meeting all of you. And and thank you for the wonderful gifts. Uh, it was Dave Rader, Mandy, Chris. Thank you so, so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Rader gave me this, this awesome book, 99 More Reasons to Hate Cats. It's a, it's a little cartoon thing about all the, the crazy things that go along with cat ownership. And they're all factual. In fact, uh, at some point you should read this, Kay, because right. I'm sure you will also agree. Right. Uh, I got a food on a sick cookbook. <laughs> I have That I, is perfect. I have another person I have to have read this that she is, you know, completely enamored with cats and is probably on the verge of becoming a crazy cat lady. In, First, in I don't future. like being called a she. Second. Not you. Oh. <clears throat> We don't, have ca- we don't have cats in here. You're the one most in touch with your feminine side of this group. Probably. So <laughs> if anyone's going to get the she. <laughs> okay. I, I, I guess I can accept that. You are wearing cat panties. I am wearing cat pants right now. Rainbow cat pants. Well, there you go. <laughs> Let that be ep- evidence I, number I, one. I know. Are, are, you sure those aren't flag fly. Are, are you sure those aren't your wife's cat pants? No, they're mine. She bought them for me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just checking. Wow. Because she knows what I like. Speaking of cats, uh, Dave Rader got me a little Trump cat play toy. Oh. And and uh, Kit likes it. He he goes after it and just sits there and. So the pussy is grabbing Trump then. That's right. Boom. Irony. <laughs> it can be pretty ironic sometimes. Yeah. He also, he kid also likes Mandy's uh, cat toys that she she got him too. It's actually really interesting. It it's like a wiffle ball, but half of it is covered in this fabric. 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 It's in fabric. Fabric. And it's really funny. The fabric actually grabs. It clings to the cat claws, even if they just have a little bit of extension oh so so he'll actually you know grab put his paw on it and lift his paw and it'll come up and he like will shake his paw and stuff and to shake it loose and it's actually kind of funny to watch so but great stuff we got uh kelly and jeff uh brought um some old school 1970s era TSR modules. Oh, of, wow. Of, uh, the Giants modules. These which are things were awesome. Classic. It was just, it was just beautiful. And it was, you know, I, because I had against the Giants, but that was In the, that collected edition. Exactly. One the, through four. These puppies were original old school separate modules. It was just, it's just wonderful. And the, the, the game that uh, they gave you to bring, yeah. Andy, uh, Jeff kind of gave me the uh, history on that. Uh, I don't know. I, I think you're beating me for sexy. Yeah, you're starting voice. to sound sexy too. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I'm. I am. This is more K. fatigue than sick. sick, uh, sick. Well, then I'll just have mine. To no, my, mine's mine's the the newfound fandom, and I just don't want to let my people down. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to let my stands down. No. Um, it, it, the the game, Andy, yep. is actually a tile-based game. Love tile-based And they games. had actually started, he was telling me that they had started this a long time ago. But because of one problem or another, they didn't get into production. They didn't get, get it out to sell it until after places like Fantasy Flight 
were putting out their tile-based games. So they actually they actually kind of pioneered this and then ended up uh, losing, you know, getting their thunder stolen because they had problems getting getting it out uh, in time. So, uh, but it's it. Uh, oh crap! I can't remember the attack stacks. Damn it! I can't remember battle stacks. I can't remember. God damn it! I'm sorry, Jeff. But it 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 actually looks interesting. So, I'm sure uh, Andy will be be ready to crack that open and give it a yeah, shot when absolutely. the time comes. Well, I'd like to say the Couchman was officially recorded. Yes. I, I checked the files today. They exist. They work. So I now have those files to work with to create my magnum opus of sound effects and music. It was, it was fun. Uh, you were you were somewhere else, and, and Audio Jacob came up the stairs into the VIP area, and he dramatically holds out a thumb drive. And it, it was just funny looking at that and thinking about modern tech. You know, it's just like... Here's your hard copy, and it's a it's a hard uh, it's a thumb drive. Yep. So and and also the the baffled looks as to what to do with it from the rest of the <laughs> the couch crew and and I'm going I'll make sure yeah, that yeah. he gets it. Give that to Jeff. Give that to Jeff. <laughs> and, and and then the, the you've, you've chosen wisely. And then the whole be be careful with that. Don't lo- and Jeff's putting it in his cargo pant pocket on the jeans and he's like this is why i wear them and <laughs> it's not just a fashion statement yeah although the rest of us were like yeah it's it, that that's <laughs> but um yeah it uh that was fun that was a great yeah. time it and really worked out well scott said that it sounded we sounded pretty much like what was in his head now, scott's yeah. the one that wrote the script scott schofield yeah who also happens to have a kick-ass warhammer Mm-hmm. Uh, armor costume. Warhammer, 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 Warhammer. Yeah. I got to tell Matt and Ray, like, the last thing I said before I left the final night of uh, Scoop Fest, I was talking to Matt and Paul, and I, I somehow mentioned that uh, Scott had written the play and done the armor, and Matt was dumbfounded. He had no idea that was the same person. Yeah. Scott is a production creature. Yeah. Yeah. My God. Yeah. He's always doing something. I was really impressed by how receptive the audience was to the script because there is a lot of inside baseball in that script. Yeah. So, because I I realized that a lot of our fans are also scoops, but not a lot of scoops are also our fans. So it was really cool to see that was embraced. I'd say about a quarter to a third of the room was... Yeah. This crossover fan. Sure. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, it played pretty well. Um, I have to say, I got to give mad props to Professor Biggs because he <laughs> only cracked like twice <laughs> in that whole thing. Yeah. I, I mean, he, went, he, he, said, he said he was so glad that you had g- sent it to him early to get the majority <laughs> of the giggles out in the read throughs. I'm telling we you. had that discussion in the room. Uh, like, yeah. do, should we send this to Professor Biggs? Oh, I insisted on it. And I, <laughs> well, and I'm a, I want to be on the record that I was, no, no, cold read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kirsten was yeah. just like, no, it'll be so much funnier if we let him crack yeah, up all the oh way through. God. And I said, well, they'll never make it through the thing. Well, Whoa. the thing is, I did not, one thing I did not pay attention to when I looked at the schedule was how much time was allotted us. Mm-hmm. And I afterwards I saw, I was like, oh, we had an hour and a half total that we could have used. So, in hindsight, 
I should have just given to a cold and just used up that whole time. He would have used up the hour. Yeah. What did we do? How, what was the time on that? Did anybody? Uh, we, we, it was about an hour. No. No? no? Nope. Just really? under 40 minutes. Oh. Wow. See, I looked at the schedule. I didn't realize we had an hour and a half because I thought the next one came on at like... Yeah, I thought we had like an hour to... So I'm like, okay. Because there was some time at the beginning. I'm like, do we have enough time to even do the whole script? But right. other stories. We That's, pulled it off. We did pull it off. Yeah, it but fun. I, I want to know everybody's highlights from Scoop Fest. I enjoyed uh, both the movies with Mikey um, uh, segment, uh, what I got to see of the Apple Sisters, and uh, and the uh, long form improv that they oh. did to close out the show on uh, on Saturday yeah, those, night. That was, it was so funny. Those are the two things I really regret missing: is the Apple Sisters and long form. I love both, and 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 it was was Sarah part of the long form. Yeah, Sarah is so damn brilliant. Oh, yeah, it was you. You stuck around for that too, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Um, Yeah, it was you, Biggs, and I that stuck around. It was huge because uh, Nug was in there. So was Rebecca from the Apple Sisters, as well as Brent. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, they were all good. Uh, Rebecca was was really funny. She really uh, really impressed me with what she was doing, and and a lot of what they. A lot of what they, uh, uh, their approach and what they were doing was just hysterical. Yeah, they, they all played really well off of each other, considering yeah. they, they really haven't performed together that much, from what mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah. I know, like, a couple of them have performed together, but, like, as an entire group of six, that that was the first time they had, or very few times that they had all performed together. So. Oh, they're all, they're all consummate uh, improv people. Yes, they, but they've... certain personalities don't always mesh when right. you go into improv. And if you've not performed with a person, you don't know their, their tells and their, you know, you know the little facial expressions that, that they're trying to get you to go in a certain direction. But, uh, but yeah, these guys and ladies played really well off of each other. Yeah. I was very impressed. Because goodness knows, improv can go really good or it can go really bad, as, as Paul himself will tell you. Sure, and, but and it went really well that well, night. Well, it helps yeah. to have people that you trust. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Trust exactly. is important. Oh my! I have to keep turning you up. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm getting scared because I know you're gonna let out on a big Tell laugh. Me, when am I gonna let it out? He's gonna when turn into Andy. Start going. Go on. What was, what was what was the line? Barely audible mumble. <laughs> what? 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 Oh, I'll ask him. <laughs> you may have to loop some of my beeps, by the way, because I know there's a couple of them I've spoken over, so I had to try and boop again. We'll let. Yeah. I'm we'll sure be, it'll be fine. Boofing. It'll be fine. Had to reboop. I, I I will find the things. I will fix the things that need fixing. Okay, and and, and, and leave all, all the stuff that and deserves some stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all, all the microphone tracks were individually recorded too, oh, so it'll be wow. easier for him to Holy play around. Mackerel! With. Yeah, this is going to be an endeavor. On a what thumb the drive. hell? Seven tracks on a thumb drive. Yep, that's uh, technology. So, so Andy, you, your highlight? My I, I I was running the game room the whole time, so I was in the game room sure. pretty much the whole event. Um, he was the sucker that got talked into volunteering while the rest of us really? sucker about well, hanging out. Was it worth it to you, Andy? Really was saying, it worth really? it? I'm just saying that we got to enjoy the, sh- the, the 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 what is what was the scoop fest while he was in the game room. We well, we got to have fun, Andy. That's what he's saying. I got to sit in the game room when there was like only like seven or eight of us in there, and uh, one of the scoops came up to me afterwards and said. It was really cool watching you and Brett and Mikey just talk <laughs> movies back and forth for 45 minutes. It's like our own little podcast. So, you know, 
I just there was one point where I walked in and you were the only person in the room. That and was, I was there like, was a couple times. You there. Poor bastard. <laughs> I did caricatures. I caught up on some stuff. I was fun. Frankie's um, coming along as a character. Yes, she is. Yeah, I brought. I brought. The only time I really left the uh, right before the uh, the uh, big ball, uh, they took over my room to do the um, talent show, which I hadn't realized was going to happen. I'm like, oh, well, then I'll go grab Frankie. So I grabbed Frankie and dragged her back, and we sat there in the game room for a while and did characters side by side because she's trying to learn how to do it, and she's cool. getting pretty good. I've seen some of her work. It's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was fun. Uh, played some really cool games. Uh, I had a lot of. I taught a bunch of people to play Five Minute Dungeon, and we played some uh, Guillotine and stuff. But um, I played a game called Role Player that was really intriguing. It's kind of like the yeah, R O L L player, right? Uh, right, exactly. It's kind of the bastard son of D and D character creation and Yahtzee. Oh, do tell! It's just there's a a whole bunch of multicolored dice, and you're trying to stack your stats so they come up to certain numbers most of them are pretty high unfortunately and there's various things that allow you to modify the numbers and you want to have certain dice in certain spaces to get bonus points and there's there's it's very complicated it's i will not i will not lie it's definitely a lot of complications going on and it's only one to four so that's probably mm-hmm. not going to be one that leaps into our group but uh if i get a chance to play that again i will i'll probably i'll probably run i'll probably go over to uh Meepleville or one of those other places and see if they have it over there and try it again. But it was a fun one. Um, oh, yes. And the other thing, I wish I could have stood up from the game I was playing. I was in the middle of some game and I said, I saw you come in and I pointed <laughs> the guy who won the game and said, get out that game for, for Todd. And I just you know what, you over know, at you. You know, that's one of my favorite moments yeah. of Scoop Fest. So, uh, so I'll take it from here. Yeah. Uh, Secret Hitler yeah. is the name of the game. And it is a game that is based on a betrayal component. Let me guess. You were the Secret Hitler. Uh, there... It's the design. It's the design <laughs> is beautiful. The design looks like it was made in the 50s. Uh-huh. And... If, if you've played other betrayal mechanic games like The Resistance, it's very similar to that. Uh, five, it's, I think it's minimum five players, mm-hmm. and it can go, I think, go up to ten. Sounds and right. And we'll base it from, I think we started with six players or seven when we began. So it's basically the liberals versus the fascists, but no one knows who is who. Okay. And one of the fascists is Hitler. All right, you get a little a, a little envelope and then that just says what your role is and your voting cards. And one person is appointed the president, they appoint a chancellor, and the liberals are trying to get liberal policies and the fascists are trying to get fascist policies. Imagine that. And as fascists gain control, more and more things open up on the board for adventure. You, you okay there, Andy? Mm. <laughs> he was having to dig deep into the bag for the, the next Tim Tam. He's like squeezing it slowly forward. Yeah, yeah. To do it. It, it was classic one-handed Andy because he doesn't need the talk. You're talking. He could have put down the mic. But, I, put a, but I put a mic on my crotch or next to the van I'm crinkling. Uh, where are you? That's could, a fine point from a production <laughs> standpoint. I appreciate this thought oh, process. I, I'm sorry, I didn't know it didn't have an off switch. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyways, <laughs> thanks, Mandy, for the Tim Tams. 
And there are more liberals than there are fascists. The game is won if the liberals get all liberal policies on there. Mm-hmm. The fascists win if the fascists get all fascist policies on their line or if Hitler is elected chancellor by the president. That is how they win. Okay. So every turn, uh, the president picks one of three cards. The cards only have two possibilities on them. It says liberal or fascist. And these are policy cards. Of the three, the president picks two, hands them both to the chancellor. The chancellor chooses one and lays it down on the board. So as a fascist president, you can pull up three cards. And if there's one liberal and two fascist, you can put the liberal on the back. Like I didn't have a choice. They were all fascist cards. Give, give the two or vice versa liberal. And then it goes on like that. Every time a president and a chancellor is announced, everyone votes yes or no as to whether they will be the government for the next turn. And if it's no, the ne- president moves over to the next person. They do a chancellor, and it goes on until there is a government. And this thing continues on until all liberal policies all... Now, this game, uh, the beautiful fellow by the name of Joe is one of the guys that's like, hey, you want to go play a game? Like, yeah, we'll play a game. And this is kind of what was decided upon by groups that were starting to form. So the first time I played, I was uh, one of the liberals and so on, and I ended up getting assassinated because no one trusts me. I don't know why. Can't yeah. imagine. Good. It's a, it's a good rep. policy. Okay. It's a good policy. Uh, the second time around, uh, my, my envelope told me I was Hitler. There you go. So, see, see, they knew. And Biggs was the only other fascist because there's only five people in this game. That means only two fascists in the group. So it was me and Biggs and everyone else. And poor Joe. Poor Joe got the full brunt of Torgo in board game mode. Oh, oh no. boy! Because, as I explained, he was president and I was chancellor. And he... Obviously, he was a liberal, and I was Hitler, and but he didn't, no one knew I was Hitler. And so he gives me two cards to choose from, one liberal and one fascist. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and he hands it to him, I'm giving you a choice of which one of these you want to choose. And I look at both, and they're obviously different cards. I'm like, you didn't give me a choice. They're both fascist. Here, this is the only one I can choose because that's all I got. Because <laughs> you can't reveal what the other one is, you have to put that back on there, and so oh, you can't reveal, yeah. So, <laughs> so I, you can, but I lied. I straight up lied, <laughs> and, and then they're like, "This fascist here is, is not giving me a choice. I want everyone to know, fascist, right there." And and it's just a look on his face. He he, he got Torgo betrayed. Full <laughs> yeah, on. yeah, and 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 naturally, everyone else bought it, right? And then so. <sighs> So the fascist thing goes on there, and that gets us high enough that we can now assassinate. And, pre- and so the uh, I get to be president next, and uh, so I killed Joe. And so, because <laughs> he was obviously a fascist. <laughs> and I was elected chancellor next turn, and, I, and we won the game because I'm Hitler. <laughs> and yeah, if you like betrayal mechanic games. And you do. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's really, really good and a lot of fun and really easy to pick up. That's not a hard game to learn. And you will hate your friends. 
Except me. I'm a nice guy, and I'm never Hitler. <laughs> of course not. Ruins never. relationships faster than diplomacy. Uh, <laughs> one of my other highlights of, because uh, I only got to go on Saturday, was, of course, movies with Mikey and meeting Mikey Newman. That was a wonderful moment. I just shake that man's hand. And I didn't know his backstory. I didn't either. Mm. For movies with Mikey. It turns out Mikey Newman... Uh, was one of the head writers of one of my favorite game series of all time, Borderlands. So he was not only one of the creative heads of part one and part two, uh, he was also the voice of Scooter, one of my favorite characters in all the Borderlands series. I remember your reaction when he was talking about that. Oh, my my jaw dropped open and you could hear it hit the bottom. I was on the top floor. It hit the bottom floor. Yep. I was like, what? What? And, of course, he had some health issues that forced him to leave, and that's kind of where the true gestation of uh, movies with Mikey came into its own. So, Well, he was, like, already doing it, yes, he I was. think, but then had to go full-time yeah, right yeah. after. That poor guy. I didn't, I didn't know about his health problem backstory. Sure. I mean, because I've watched enough videos of his, uh, uh, enough movies with Mikey that I get the gist of how he does his shows and how he does... Um, his reviews, but I didn't know. I mean, the poor guy's had how many strokes did he say he's had? Three, three strokes. Mm-hmm. Um, an MS, right? MS yep. related. Yeah. So yeah, the poor guy. I mean, you know, the fact that he, you know, is able to do that and do a such a positive thing with it. It is, was that, is really, that, really goddamn impressive. That's one of the yeah. That is actually very impressive. There, it. He did a video where he had gone to um, the emergency room and had come home, and he w- he did a I'm okay video, and he was talking about stuff, and <clears throat> he was still you know still bouncing back from what he went through, and and it was it was a weird video, but he put that out there to just talk about what was going on a bit, so it was very bold. I I I really. I like his personality by way of the videos. And then meeting him was kind of cool because I actually did exactly what I wanted. I, I got I, I got a hold of him. I just said, hey, Mike. And he turned around and I'm like, uh, came to you by way of Force Awakens. And I play that video for all my Star Wars friends who are fans. And the second half of that, where he talks about the real meaning of Star Wars always brings a tear to their eyes. And he went, oh, that's great. And then he hugs me. It was actually hilarious. And and, and, and it was was just like, oh, wow, okay, I'm a hugger, but this is sudden even for me. (laughs) And, you know, and it was just, he he really seems to be a a genuinely empathic individual. How was the conversation, Andy? It was fun, it was fun. I mean, I... I don't have that background. I really don't know him. I'll be listening to him now. But I just sort of, you know, there was a conversation going on. I walked in, sat and listened to him a bit, and they got into, um, Brent was arguing that Casablanca holds up better than uh, Citizen Kane. What? And, wow. And I agreed. And, and then we moved, that's where it started. Because... I think Citizen they both Kane. held up well because they're both historical pieces. Citizen but Kane, that's me. but Citizen Kane is important because it establishes a whole bunch of things that happens in movies ever after. Right. 
But it's hard to watch. It's not that exciting. See, I don't think it's hard to watch. I've seen it several times. Hmm. Yeah. Film nerd finds yeah. uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Citizen right. Kane easy to yeah, watch. Right. Whereas Casablanca, I I would watch it right now. It's, well, and Casablanca is also one of my favorite films. So, yeah. I have it on Blu-ray. So. But eventually, eventually, to get to the point where Twice. I, uh, I I I post I I put out my uh, my. Uh, uh, big trouble in little China theory, and and he was intrigued. So that's funny. I'm, yeah, hope, right. I'm hoping that comes up in a future episode. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I really wanted to. There was one point when he was in the game room and everybody was talking, and I really wanted to sit down and just be like Chuck Wendig, let's get started. Oh. And, but I didn't have the nerve. Yeah. I'm still. I'm well, still. I mean, if you had hung out, I mean, uh, as the Paul, the ball wore on, you know, uh, basically he was sitting in the middle of the game room for like three hours sure. during the ball, just hanging out, talking away. I could totally see yeah. that, yeah. So Matt and Matt only have the biggest balls of all? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Oh, the costumes, my God, they were so amazing. Well, I don't know biggest, but they're colorful yes. and uh, uh, eccentric. Are they always bouncing? A lot of bouncing. Oh, have you posted that video of me? <laughs> I was really surprised that wasn't up somewhere already. Oh, I, um, yeah, you know, I don't have the Facebook app, so uh, posting okay. is difficult for me, and I have to this and that and the other. Gotcha. So, we got to get you a new phone. Mm-hmm. We'll have to there do a fundraiser that. and just no, get no, you a new phone. No, no, like having Facebook on his phone. <laughs> no, dude, that's, ah, that stuff is awful. Yeah. Don't do that. My favorite part of Uh-oh. Scoop Fest took me by surprise. Uh-oh. And it shouldn't because it's really a culmination of everything I, I love about everything in that room. And that was the night attack section of performance that day. See, I didn't get to see that. Uh, it's, it's, I, I, before that, it was uh, Smart Mouth, which is a podcast about uh, food and drink and its history. Right. And they were talking about tiki drinks, so it's like, I have to be in here. Of course you do. Yeah, I, I left the game room to go watch the tiki drink Oh, podcast. that's funny. And then you just happened to end up watching Night Attack? Is and that- then that was afterwards, so I'm like, well, I, uh, I, I, the line is too long for chicken and waffles, so I will... Yeah, really. It, it <laughs> I'm sure going to watch uh, Night Attack. And... And I knew that Mikey was going to be a part of it, so I'm like, "Well, I want to see Mikey is what what else he's done." Night Attack. I don't know much about their show, but apparently they occasionally have Mikey make quizzes for them, oh. and Mikey is the ultimate quiz master. Of course, he is. And they did a quiz battle. It was basically a game show between the two guys from Night Attack and Matt and Paul versus Mikey's quiz of which of these ice cream flavors are real and which ones are made up by me. Wow. And it was an hour and 20 minutes, and it was one of the most entertaining hour and 20 minutes I've had in probably the last eight months. So what would you say was the rough percentage of real to made up? Uh, Probably half-sish. Okay. Uh. But that kind of doesn't matter because that's not how Mikey works with his quizzes. I was just curious because, I mean, I know there's so many ridiculous flavors of ice cream out there that you think that's got to be fake. Sure. And then you find out it's real. But Mikey's good. He's yeah. real good. And not only good at, at writing the questions, he's good at getting into your head after he's told you the questions. And if you want to see it in action, go on to uh, the Hey Scoops Twitch channel because they have that recorded on there and I recommend watching the video version because watching Paul melt down over these ice cream flavors is alone 
worth the price of admission. <laughs> is that what? How much is that? What that was? Because he posted on he posted on Twitter. This is my finest hour. <laughs> and and watching Mikey react to Paul, not knowing if his rage is real or not, is a lot of fun. It's hard to wow. tell sometimes. Wow. <laughs> nice. So, how much of a uh, scoop fest is on the Twitch channel? Uh, I would. A good amount of it. They were streaming the yeah. majority of the uh, the stage performances. So if you missed Scoopfest, uh, check out the Twitch channel. Seek it uh, out. We're not on there, and I'm kind of glad for it because I don't want Couchman to be spoiled for those who weren't there. Yes. So Couchman is coming. My style. <laughs> and that's, if you weren't there we and had say. the chance to be, why weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was far so it was, There's no video recording of that at all floating out there? To yeah. my knowledge, no. Damn. Unless somebody recorded something with their cell phone camera, ah. but uh, yeah, no, there was there was no live streaming or recording other than the audio. Maybe uh, no, I think Paulette was taking pictures. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about Scoopfest? Um, yeah, just like you said, thank you for inviting us. Had a great time. Uh, for us in particular, I think the crossover it makes it a, a neat opportunity because we can have a very, very, very mini shock fest, uh, <laughs> totally, totally um, financed by Ice Cream Social. <laughs> and, you know, and... Uh, Every time I've been to a scoop event without you guys, people ask for you. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, oh. it, the, 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 that crossover is wonderful. You guys are wonderful. The, well, the professor, <laughs> the like, the professor Kirsten and I uh, got to talk with the audio guy, Jacob, for a little bit uh, before oh, we yeah. left on Saturday night. And he said he absolutely would love to do another crossover episode. And I said, hey, uh, yeah. let us he, know. He also, it was fucking hilarious. He also said, and you know, Jacob, he was he was a little in his cups. No. He was like, believe it or not, just two weeks before, I finally watched Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was amazed at how close yeah. the voices were of the Couchman to the Watchman. It, it, was, it was great, and he and he was like, "Which, by the way, does not deserve all the hate it gets." I don't understand. And we were all like, "Yeah, yeah no, yeah, blah blah." It blah. doesn't. Yeah, and it, oh god, it Mikey was, hates it. It was hilarious. <laughs> no, it's so. really funny because we were getting into that hole. It's like it's pretty much a page for page direct translation of the Watchmen to the screen. Sure. And people were complaining that they got exactly what they asked for. It's a very faithful reproduction for the most part. I mean, yes, a few things were dropped out, but... I think a lot of people... It's a are, dense, dense book. I, I've, I've read it at least 20... I've probably read it 40 times. I've mm -hmm. only read it twice, and both times it was... I won't say it was a slog to get through, but it was, it was tough to get through. What the fuck is wrong with you? I, and it, then you can watch the variation... That yeah. has the animated pirate comic. I love the movie, uh, but I'm yeah. saying the actual that, comic, it's difficult yeah. to to get through. That's insane. The comic itself? Yeah. That's insane. Fly on you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what he's saying. I've, but I was saying, I've watched, I've read like probably, say, probably 40 times, and every time I read it, I catch something I didn't catch it before. There, there's this. Oh, yeah. It's so dense. But it's, it's vintage. Yeah. It's vintage Alan Moore that way. Yeah. But I love, I love the movie. I just, I don't, man... I just have a problem with haters. Haters confuse yeah. me. But and haters his little 
His little thing about um, Batman and Robin was kind of cute. Yeah, that too. was it. That was really interesting. You know? I had actually heard the the part about the the battery acid and the LEDs with Schwarzenegger before. Yeah, that's just it's like goddamn. You're 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 paying what was it twenty five million? I think he got to do that that role, and you're burning the guy with battery acid and destroying his mouth it, and it, teeth. And it's funny because he's talking about how. Schwarzenegger worked through that, that and those fucking contact lenses. And mm. hey, you know, it, it Schwarzenegger does not get enough credit. You know, he's not Lawrence Olivier. Right. He's but, not he's not good in it, but he's never tried harder up to that point. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. may be the thing that actually makes me finally watch that damn movie, just so I can watch the watch the I th- his deconstruction of it. Uh, yeah. Of course, if you want to know what we're talking about, movies with Mikey has put this episode on his YouTube channel, so you can see what he showed us at Scoop Fest. But he does a good job of setting up. This is where your head should be when you watch Batman and Robin, because if it isn't here, you are going to hate it. But if you have this mindset going in, you're probably going to really enjoy it because it's Guano, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that whole, I mean, it's kind of sad, and it's not Schwarzenegger's fault. Is like the the type of actor they should have cast for that role would have been somebody who's more known for dramatic portrayal because it's a very tragic character that was played comical, and I wouldn't say Schwarzenegger's fault for it being portrayed as a comical character. Part of it was the script. Part of it was him. You know, powering through isn't the all this other wasn't crap. Wasn't the character originally created for the TV show and acted by so, Otto yeah. Preminger? The, the 66 TV uh, show. Actually, George Saunders was first, and then they moved to uh, Otto Preminger. George Saunders, that sounds familiar. Yeah, he's a he is the very dignified uh, British actor, Shere Khan in uh, oh, Jungle Book. Okay. But And that one was weird because... He was just a guy in a suit, and they would film with this filter to make it look like everywhere he is is cold. And then they would do this light. I don't know if it it wasn't a light effect. It was another visual effect where when people wanted to approach him, he would do this infrared beam that would heat up that particular area so they wouldn't freeze. And and that was was, uh, him. And then he also had the suit when he would venture out. But then Priminger took over and that's when you got the the icy silver and the doohickey uh collar Mm. thing and all that stuff that that got kind of interesting the character of victor freeze when you get into batman the animated series that's when they they did it really got good with that because i mean he was kind of i mean all the characters were kind of goofball in the batman 66 tv series let's just face it right but you really get a a deep look at the character in Batman the Animated Series and mm-hmm. you, you it you it's almost a sympathetic character is, to the point where you did, just you realize what his motivations are and his love for his wife and Is that on some streaming service? I don't think I'm not the sure animated I've seen series, all the animated series. It's about I've got it. it's about to come out on Blu-ray the complete series 
And or you can set. subscribe to DC streaming service. Yeah. There you go. Wait, wait. Oh, where's I can oh, I can feel Matt. Matt. Wait, wait, no, no, he's taking yeah. care of me when I wasn't here. I God can, damn it! I can feel Matt's hatred <laughs> flowing that from, service. from yeah. his side of town right oh, now. Oh, and the funny thing my health is, better. Is he'll actually never know because he's not going to sure. listen to this. Right. <laughs> um, Somewhere the, he's seething with rage and he doesn't even know why. Did <laughs> I tell you guys? I think I mentioned this like years ago. Uh, and it's a it's a Alex Ross story. Alex Ross, the comic artist that yes. I knew decades ago. Um, Don't you have a portrait <laughs> by him? <laughs> here, let me pick up this thing you just dropped on the floor here. <laughs> but it was really funny because he had been contacted about doing some promotional stuff and everything, and he had a conversation with on the phone with Joel Schumacher, and Schumacher he was telling us that Schumacher said to him, "I can't tell you who." But for Mr. Freeze, the chances are very good we have a big-time action star. And Alex, uh, at that time, there were some rumors floating around about Demi Moore being Poison Ivy. And so Alex was like, if Demi Moore is Poison Ivy, I bet you... Bruce Willis is Mr. Freeze, and and he was actually he was actually intrigued and kind of excited about that. And it was I remember seeing him after Schwarzenegger had been announced, and he was despondent. You know well, and Patrick Stewart was rumored like right up until the oh my the God. Schwarzenegger rumors that would have been started happening. That would have been awesome. You know, uh, Bruce Willis could still play Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Get on that. Yeah. Yeah, I would watch that one. Absolutely, I, I have. Uh-oh. There's been no secret that None? I dislike Batman and Robin thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly. I, I hate it. Hate that movie. It was, but yeah, there is one moment in that film that stuck with me. Oh yeah, all this time, and it's a a truly touching moment that when I saw it in the theater, I'm like, I'm emotionally affected right now by this ball of hatred. And that is the moment when Mr. Freeze looks at that mini ice figurine of his wife and is and contemplating it. And it, it always just really touched me. And it always kind of bothered me that this in this movie that I absolutely hate, there's that one moment that I really, really like. And it's probably one of my favorite moments of some of the early Batman movies, that moment in a movie I don't like. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's funny because... Yeah, like what Jeff was saying before. What what the animated series did with that character was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. And, you know, taking that little bit and using it in the movie was very cool. Because I don't... In the in the the Batman sixty six series, I they I, didn't really get into his background with the whole wife thing, right? That I don't. The wife thing was I, established in. I think that was totally created for animated. That's series. that's what don't, I thought too, but I I I wasn't a hundred percent certain on that. I'm sure you know eventually the sound waves of Professor Big screaming at us will <laughs> ripple right, through. Right. The, well, I already um, gave uh, Professor Big's mad props during. Uh, Scoop Fest, where I said I'm I'm very good with a lot of DC's knowledge, but this man is the expert. If you have yeah. a question, you need to talk to him. Yeah, about the DC universe. Yeah. So and it, it you know because he's it, caught up even to the current stuff, and I'm I haven't oh, read Jesus. any of the current stuff. Yeah. We none uh, of it. Talking to talking to Paul briefly, talking to Matt Donnelly, um, 
and to and to Jacob, it was it was actually fun to just sit there and and do a little connecting, as well as with everybody else that was coming through, and the fans who enjoyed themselves and had fun and uh, watching people. Uh, Jake and his uh, his costume for the ball was just hilarious. Uh, what do you, what was he? One, he was a, in you know those inflatable costumes. You turn on the fan and yeah, they, like and, the dinosaur ones. Right. Well, he he had a giant baby one, and and so he oh, wait was, Jacob did. Oh, Jake, little Jake, little Jake. I was gonna say yeah. Chris is. I thought you were talking about Jacob, the no, audio guy. I'm no, like, that's that's why I said that. Jake. Sorry, I don't call him Jacob. I don't call Jacob Jake. But um, uh, yeah, and he was he was tip of the hat to, to RJ. Is very, very, very funny. Who showed up at the end of the whole thing? Uh, what do you mean? RJ I, showed up at the end of the uh, Scoop Fest. He oh, came, he came and he came up after the uh, after a show. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. No, I missed him entirely, but yeah, I just boy, oh boy, what fun! All right, we've talked a lot about Scoop Fest. Any other geeky things you do this week, guys? Well, of course, I watched Doctor Who on Sunday. I watched the season premiere of Supergirl on Sunday. That time of year, uh, yes, it is that time of uh, year. And then uh, a few days ago, because I I was a couple days behind, I watched the Flash season premiere. And of those, geek, which was your geek, favorite one? Geek life is good. Um, I really liked the Supergirl one, but I have to say the Flash season premiere was my favorite. This is what this. season five. I think it's four. Four it, it okay. might be five. I am so behind. Actually, I think it is five. Now that you mention it, I, okay. do, I do believe it is. I got to finish Arrow. I have yet to see the latest Flash that's on I'm, Netflix. I'm way behind on Netflix. Yeah, I, I haven't watched Supergirl, Legends. I'm, I'm a Luke few episodes. Well, you're watching it wrong. You're watching everything show by show as opposed to watching it in order that it appeared. I'm, I'm I am a rebel, Andy. <laughs> you're a madman. Just, loner, just, just put me in my studded leather jacket and get Miss, me on my bike. Mr. Freeze uh, premiered in the comics in 1959. So, no yeah. shit. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that either. I, I was didn't sure either. it was uh, created for the comp for the movie. That and the wife angle? I uh, couldn't figure that out quickly. I want to get back to listening because that's when I missed you saying Jake Jacob. And I was like, I'm lost. I got to put it this way. <clears throat> I, I don't know. I Things move pretty fast for that time. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's... Right. I, uh, this seems like a million years ago, but I, I, uh, last week I finished off... Uh, um, 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 the Good Place. I finished oh, okay. up the second season of The Good Place, which is all that's on Netflix. The, the first third season. season just started, right? Yes, but oh my god! I mean, at the end of the first season, it's like, oh, oh, well, that's where it's going to go. I guess it's, we're going to watch a whole season of doing this, and nope, you watch a couple episodes of it doing that a zillion times. They just got into a loop where they kept repeating stuff because they had to, and then they went a completely different direction. I'm like, holy shit, we're going to go here? Oh wow! Oh, and here? Shit! Oh! oh. I've had that more was than a really a, impressive non-spoiler review. Yeah, thank you. I've had more than a few people tell me that show is brilliant. And I, oh, I so have it amazing. in my queue, and just it's, it's so amazing. And it's it's long it's list. both over the top and beautifully underplayed. Not to mention, I have a whole bunch of documentaries I discovered on Hulu recently that I want to watch. God damn it! Welcome to modern pop culture nerd life. Yeah. Oh no! I mean, I'm I'm. It's a good time to be a yeah. geek. Yeah. It really is, and. I just I can't fathom all the people that are wallowing in the hate for getting all of this fantastic plethora of options that we have. It's and, the and, it is, and it is really the the actual definition of plethora. 
which yeah. is more than you can possibly use. Yes. And that's what we have. We cannot we cannot absorb all the wonderful I mean, I nerd was, that's I, out there. I was trying to say I'm I'm like eight episodes behind on Arrow and the premiere is coming up this week. Mm-hmm. So I still have to get caught up on that to continue on with the series. I haven't caught I mean, up it, on Agents of Shield. Right, Agents I got to finish the second half of Agents of Shield on Netflix. Well, I got to finish up uh You got 6 months to get caught up cuz the next season isn't until summer of Dude, I don't I got a year cuz I don't watch them on TV. Right. Stranger Things, I guess I haven't seen the second season. Yeah, things. I, I haven't, haven't seen I haven't Luke Cage, moved forward one. with that. Yeah, I haven't seen the second season of Iron Fist. I got re- get ready for season 3. Yeah, I got to force uh, myself to wah, sit through uh, yeah. Rim Shot. Boom. Yeah, I um uh, where the hell was I gonna go before people started talking? Straight ha! to hell! <laughs> I don't know. Um, Derailed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was. I uh, I haven't seen anything in a while. I've been terrible. I don't know. I don't know what's going. I do a lot of YouTube because of my job. I have that playing in the background to pass the time, and because uh, I actually like have a, I mentioned before I have access. To like uh, Crunchyroll, I can right. watch Bleach, but I can't watch subtitles while I'm working the job. You know, I watched this nice thing on YouTube. This guy was talking about how Akira changed everything, and the movie Akira. Right. And I have Akira. I have a special collector's DVD set. I and I'm like, oh, I want to put that in. But I'm a subs, not dubs guy. So it's like I I, I can't watch the fucking thing because I'm. I got to look at a computer screen. It's killing me. T-shirt design right there. Oh, subs it's... not dubs. Yeah, and then and then I'll wear that when I make my guest appearance on Critical Role. Yes, and they'll kill me. <laughs> oh, and before I forget, <laughs> I talked about documentaries before. A and E has a wonderful documentary series. Um, crap, I'm forgetting the title of it. Uh, screen something. What's it called? The one that they just did on uh, oh. vacation. Uh, uh, they basically take two hours and give you a full DVD style bonus feature behind the scenes look at that movie. Uh, so you could, is it times so you could actually run it with the movie? No. Okay. If you have on demand, you can watch it on A and E on demand. Oh, I guess I just recently discovered, that but is an idea. They had a two hour thing on the movie Vacation. They just had one on, I think it premiered yesterday on Animal House. Uh, just fantastic, like uh, behind the scenes kind of thing, and uh, with modern interviews and so forth. And nice vacation that, is one of my favorite movies of all time. So yeah, that's I had to watch that. That's actually very cool. And on a second note, I I I I think we need to make some kind of movie series called crap i forgot its name <laughs> just whatever theme we can put a build around that that's great and i remembered by the way what i was going to say oh i saw power of gray skull finally and oh you did that? yeah that and it's funny because there are little bits and pieces in that that are not in the toys that made us episode but then again there's a lot that you know is uh, unfortunately, I think by then uh, the guy, Mister uh, Bong, <laughs> had passed away, God. so he wasn't he wasn't interviewed. But they talked about him, and it was just it you know it's so funny because I went back back in those days I couldn't give a shit about He Man, could not I couldn't care less. But watching all the all that behind it, it's just I love. 
the legacy and lore. I just love it. It's really entertaining and fun. I love the making of it more than I ever yeah. cared <laughs> about the toys. But yes. I, I never got yes. that big into He-Man, but the yeah, you're right. The 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 documentaries on He-Man and She-Ra are really really fascinating. Uh, A&E Inside Story is the name of the documentary series. Ah. Uh, they have several episodes. Um, wow, I didn't a- I didn't take the chance to, the time to look up all the different ones, but I know for a fact very that cool. uh, that the Animal House and the and the Vacation ones are, are awesome. That is so. a terrible, terrible title. Inside That's Story. That's why it's so forgettable. Yes, exactly. That's why it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's so generic. I just finished reading Kill Creek by Scott Thomas. Uh, that was the book I suggested for the book club after we finished Dracula. Like, I'm going to read my book now. And really enjoyed it. It's doesn't bring a, it's a haunted house story, doesn't bring a lot new, but it does play with the tropes a lot. And being that it's centered around writers that know the tropes of haunted houses and such, it's a fun read. It, like I said, it's nothing new, but really good characters. And if you like haunted house books, uh, I recommend Kill Creek. If you don't like haunted house books, it's not going to win you over. But it, it's, a, it's a definitely a thumbs up. Four stars out of five for me. Now I've uh, right. started reading. Uh, I've had this for a while. I've been wanting to get to it for a while. And now it seems like the best time to get to it. Uh, I started reading uh, Blackbird by uh, Chuck Wendig, his Miriam Black series. Was it singing in the dead of night? It was punching you in the face with fuck words. That's what it was doing. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, fuck, hey. With fuck words? <laughs> it's okay, is, Jeff. Take your broken wings and learn to fly. That is, a, right. that is a foul mouth book. Imagine that. Chuck <laughs> Wendig writing a foul mouth book. It's what he's known for. Imagine that. Uh, but I'm about twenty percent mm. through it, and it's from beginning is just plain fun. Now, what's the what's the premise? The thing behind basic the whole book? premise in Blackbirds is it's not a new one. It's just his take on it. Uh, woman, whenever she touches this is Miriam Black. Whenever she touches someone, uh, skin to skin, uh, she sees how they're going to die and knows the exact time, place, and when. Not the place, but knows the exact time when it's going to happen. Ugh. And she sees someone that she actually respects for once that something she doesn't see really at all because it's all accidents and health issues. And she sees him him get murdered. And that starts to intrigue her. And that's kind of where it's at right now. Interesting. So it's it's a lot of fun. Now, Chuck Wendig tends to write in, uh, what's what's that called? It's third person present tense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's for some people that really jars some people. So, if that's yeah. not your bag, uh, you might not have an easy time with this book. But if you read any of the Star Wars stuff, he writes it in the same way as the Aftermath series. So, in the present tense. So, if you were cool with that, you'll be cool with this. If you weren't cool with that, eh, maybe something else for you. So, Blackbirds, again, you know, I, I, normally this time, let's say, unless it shits the bed, it's going to be good. Uh, but. I, I've read a lot of Wendig's work, and I know this is one of his most beloved series. And he's about to finish the fifth book and final book in the series coming out, I think, next month. There's five books in a series on that premise? Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. So, I, I that's And how many of you, how many of these you read? Oh, this is the, my first time with it. Okay. So I'm, I'm, very, I'm very curious how they hold it up to five, hold, that, hold that premise through five, uh, five uh, books. He has a plan. I'm sure he does. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be eager to hear. I'm, I'm not going to start this one until you get through a couple more of them. Okay. Yeah. Chances are I won't <laughs> go right to the next one, though. I, that's I, fine. Yeah, I that's, jump around, man. I jump around. I don't have any time to Ten read. Ten years so. from now, get off your seat and jump around. That's right. 
Yeah, you give him that look. He deserves that look. That's right. That was for the viewers. <laughs> yeah. Jump up and jump up and get down. Anything else you do this week, gents? I'm sure there's something that I'm just not thinking of right now. There always is. Yep. Yeah. In that case, news you don't give a shit about in my shitty voice. Oh, wow. Wow. I don't even feel like screaming after that. It <laughs> was sad. That hurt me. <laughs> Suddenly it became Scatman Cuthers in his 80s. He was sympathetic to the fact that you had to read news you don't give a shit about. Yeah. He's like, aww. aww. All right. This, this one. PG. There we go. Got I got to stretch a little for this one. Yep. Get out the, oh, I thought my back cracked there a little bit. That was all right. You got to stretch your vocal cords, man. Oh, trust me. They're stretched. All right. News you don't give a shit about. What you been doing, Oh, Jeff? imagine. I've heard this name before. Chuck Wendig. Hey. <laughs> uh, the writer behind the Star Wars Aftermath trilogy and recently announced Shadow of Vader comic announced via Twitter that he had been fired from Marvel Comics. He would be removed from Shadow of Vader, starting with issue number four, and would no longer be working on another different Marvel Star Wars comic project. What did he do? Wendig has been a bit controversial in the Star Wars community uh, from the very moment he set foot into the universe. When it was announced he was going to be working on the Aftermath books, the first book set in the post-Return of the Jedi era since the shift in canon from Lucasfilm, there was a set of fans who dogged his every move. Some were resentful at Disney for the creation of the alternate Legends universe to make room for canon that would pave the way for upcoming films in the Disney era of Star Wars. Others focused on their hatred against the fact that Wendig included women, people of color, and same-sex relationships in the new series. This backlash pounded the reviews of the book and has been written about extensively. This is like a whole friggin' story. Uh, so there's made-up outrage that cost him his job? Before Aftermath came out, there was a whole series of one-star bo uh, book reviews on Amazon. I'm sorry, not made-up, manufactured outrage. <laughs> there you go. There you no, go. It's, a th it's a thing. I, 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 that, I, that's not why is, I'm laughing. All you have to do is, is read the, uh, the Amazon reviews, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm. Uh, much of the harassment was focused at Wendig via his Twitter account. Wendig's brand on Twitter has always been vulgar. He embraces the fuck word. His progressive politics were something that he wore and continues to wear as a badge of honor. Most recently, during the very public debate in the Civic Square over the confirmation of Brent Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, Wendig made a call to eschew civility. Uh, quoting some of the... Some, he went on a very long screed, but basically, here's one of the quotes. There will be renewed calls for civility. Ignore them. They ask for civility as a way for you to grant them complicity in what they do. Note, this isn't the same as calling for violence, but it is suggesting that you should not be shamed for using vigorous, vulgar language or for standing up in disobedience or for demanding acknowledgement and action in whatever way you must, quote unquote. Now, he went on for a while and in a very Chuck Wendig way, was very vulgar. But that didn't stop those who had already been harassing him over the years to take these tweets as a call to violence against Trump supporters Somehow, it was written up in many conservative-leaning blogs that cover comics and nerd culture as an actual call to violence somehow. Uh, these tweets were from October 6th. Shadow of Vader was announced that very same weekend at New York Comic Con. 
Uh, one might wonder if this negative attention in conservative media outlets was pushed Marvel into taking this self-inflicted wound in the broader culture war. Quote, it was too much politics, too much vulgarity, and too much negativity on my part, Wendig said on, t- on Twitter of his firing, quote, basically because I was not civil. He wrote about his firing on his blog, saying, quote, nothing I'd said or done in my tweets recently had made the news. Well, it made cuckoo alt-right news blogs, which is the only place I make that kind of splash. So if someone there felt uh, splashed upon, it means they felt that way because they pay attention to exactly that kind of news. Fringe, right-wing stuff, not mainstream media, hmm. unquote. Makes sense. That's why I haven't heard any of this yet. Mm-hmm. Wendig worries that the firing has potential to have a chilling effect in the world of writing, politics, and Twitter. Quote, I think the comic gators will be very much emboldened, Wendig told Sci-Fi. Why, yeah. why wouldn't it? This is a victory for them, and I don't expect they won't savor it, which likely pretends more and worse for other creators. But it does set a troubling precedent. Once we've seen, well, one we've seen already, James Gunn, Jessica White, and so on, of folks fired because they riled up the wasp's nest of Asterisk Gate. Literal unquote. wasps. Uh, but don't worry for Wendig, quoting... I don't rely on comics work as income, unlike some, and my publishers have reaffirmed support, so I keep on keeping on. Next up for me is the final Miriam Black book in January called Vultures, and a big sort of Stephen Kingy epic novel called Wanderers coming out in July, unquote. A source at Marvel told EW, Entertainment Weekly, that Wendig's firing was a response to his use of profanity and vulgarity in expressing his views, not the views themselves. Wendig said the tone of his tweets was never previously questioned by Marvel until he was abruptly fired. Marvel did not present specific social media guidelines for its creators, but the source there said there are, quote, ongoing conversations with creators about what they say and do publicly. I wonder, it's interesting, who gets what into... A big shot's ear that this happens. The word is that the official position is it came from the editor on Shadow of Vader. It's Mark something or other. That's and, that's the understanding. Yeah, thus far. but no, but Wendig doesn't know for sure. Right. Uh, well, he said he was told. Yes. This is from Mark, um, and it's it's like who got what into Mark's ear that suddenly this became an issue and they needed to move on? Was it was it simply that things were a little amplified by Kavanaugh or what? It's, it's really weird. It's really weird and interesting. And when it comes down to it, Marvel is allowed to fire whoever they want for whatever reason they choose. That's something a company is allowed to do. The mouse doesn't take a bullet for you. But this isn't about that. Also, this isn't like he was an employee. He's a freelancer. Right. And freelancers aren't mouthpieces for the company. That's ne- that's not a freelancer's job. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know. But you, Disney you is. Work for hire. Well, what the hell are you going to do? Disney when- is really anti-negative press these days, though. They really don't want any negative stories connected to them. Another quote from Randig. Yes, if a company finds our tone or words re- reprehensible, they shouldn't hire us. But no one in their right minds expects a freelancer to be a banner carrier for a brand. Yeah. yeah. Quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. Well, I I have to admit, uh, I mean, you you said it to say it, uh, Todd, but I get really irritated with, well, they have the right to buy. Because it's like, that, that they're, 
that's not the argument, folks. No, no one is sitting there saying Marvel did, uh, did, did something they don't have a right to do. You have a right to make a stupid decision. You have the right to make the wrong decision. It's just that the, the fact that they're doing it is chilling, and it's, it's just an incredibly bad policy, especially since these assholes are not numerous. You know, the, the, the Last Jedi study came to the conclusion that it's one or 200 people on Twitter, maybe, that have these views and are so vocal about them. And they take With the, the extreme toxicity. Right. And they take the position that they're actually representing a majority. One, one asshole actually uh, said that in one of the tweet threads... Uh, that Windig was talking on. It was like, well, when you offend a, a substantial portion of the fans, and it's like, it, no one has offended a substantial portion of the fans. It's just a couple of outspoken assholes. Man, I hate that I have to play devil's advocate for this, but uh, uh, from a newspaper standpoint, the old rule of thumb was that one letter represented 100 people. That the of, uh, there would be a hundred people with that opinion, but only one who was actually had enough oomph to actually write it. But that's that's, I, that's was, you know what I that was pre, I do I that yeah. was pre social media days because now I, I think social media reflect you no know, reflects that in that those ninety nine people having much easier time getting on there and being shitty. Yeah, there's already the psychological studies about so, the fact that the anonymity with which you can post things online now has increased the number of people who would normally never say a thing in public and or to their friends. But if, if that's the case, then I think that a lot of people are operating on that old paradigm. Yes. Mm. Perhaps. Probably a lot of businesses are. You're and probably are right. not aware of the fact that once it got into the right-wing blogosphere, that was when you, and you can actually see if people can watch, because they're tracking known bots mm-hmm. on Twitter, that the bots amped up during that yeah. time. Yeah, to, a lot of it really, is. Once Ben Shapiro put it out there and so right. on. Right. The, the Last Jedi thing, he's... They said a lot of it was bots. Sure. And this Wendig thing, there's a lot of bot action underneath yeah. this as well. And you still see it. I still stumble around on YouTube and see why The Last Jedi, you know, why, how can you fix the problems with the Star Wars franchise? And it's got 300,000 views in just a week. And it's like, give me a fucking break. How? And a lot of times people that don't have the opinion of that yeah, video sure. watch it because they want to see sure. what this person has to say sure which i you know <laughs> unfortunately drives up that person's numbers and it's like the really the only way you can kind of combat it is to stop doing that knee jerk well i just want to hear what this person has well, to say yeah it's but at like, the same time you you need to hear what they have right. to say the whole point of freedom of speech isn't yes. just for you to state your idea. No, but I mean, it's for it, you to hear the assholes talking, so you know what they're saying, and otherwise, you can build your argument against them. But see, the problem is you can't argue with stupid. <laughs> you cannot. You cannot convince somebody like that that has so solidified and you know. I'm not necessarily talking about arguing with the person, mm-hmm. but you need to argue their their position you need to be able to argue the ideas behind it for me one of the classics is socialism leads to fascism 
So Bernie Sanders will lead to Nazism, will lead to Hitler. And that is a very common right-wing narrative. And it's really funny because political academics have never addressed that because it's such a colossally stupid point. They've never bothered. And it's growing. But you also can't convince a conservative that socialism does not lead to phys- or that socialism is not equal to fascism. They're two different. You two different can convince a conservative of that. Well, you can't convince these right these all. What's what's the yeah. term we're using? There, the guys that are way difference. over on the edge. The, the right wing nuts. But th- yeah. once again, you get lots of people coming up who will hear this shit, and before they're there, before they are on the extreme, you need to have your answer for that argument. It's, uh, I just think ignoring argue. I'm not saying be active in participating with everybody, but you need to know. That's, that's why. That's the chief reason why I'm against suppression. I, I am afraid of like me being suppressed, and I think anyone being suppressed is wrong. But it's also you need to know what people are saying so you can formulate your arguments against those ideas that are bad. Words have power. <clears throat> when progressives use their arguments about suppression, it's that words have power, they can affect things, and they are right. But the counter words can have power too. Your argument to challenge has power too. And all of that comes from freedom of speech. So as soon as you lose that, and as soon as you, or as soon as you get into the, the shall we call it, soft suppression of, of campaigning with a corporation to get them to shut someone down, you run into problems. It, it, I, just, I just think that, <clears throat> I mean, that, that, that's where I'm coming from. It's just you need to hear their arguments. You've got to get that out there. These so. scoops were not all dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and I understand what, some of the difficult parts of it is we, we much to our befuddlement, but nevertheless uh, pleasant surprise, we have conservative listeners. And I'm glad you guys are listening to us. Thank you I very much. I have conservative much. friends. I have, I have conservative right. relatives, and especially my conservative cousins, are, I'm amazed and so happy with what i've been able to see on facebook with them because we're having intelligent rational discussions mm-hmm. about politics on facebook yeah. but sometimes <laughs> well, my cousins i know them it's not they're not faceless <laughs> yeah. strangers but, but sometimes it goes where i still my conservative friend who briefly blocked me and then came back and said man i was a dig i did we shouldn't have done that he he posted uh, a common theme now the whole um, if liberals want a civil war, you know, they're going to find out who's got all the guns, right? Because, you know, no liberal owns a gun. It's all the conservatives. So if it comes down to violence in the streets, liberals are in trouble. And it's just like, dude, you, you believe that? That, that you, honestly, you honestly take that to heart? That's that's kind of insane and crazy. And it's like right now Antifa is running around with, you know, all the little made, uh, uh, homemade, you know, anarchist cookbook, like, like smoke bombs or they got little whippet, uh, whippet clubs and stuff like that. But the, the right wing militias 
are the ones with people out in compounds doing target practice with their with their civilian assault rifles. Wait, I, th- I think I missed the point of your thing. Yeah. The point <laughs> is, is that, um, uh, what was my point? Where was <laughs> I going? <laughs> Shit. The point is, is that to sit there and talk about ah the violence of the left, ah, like they're angling for a civil war is like they're really right now they're not they are angling for there there are elements that are angling for violent protest but in terms of an actual civil war type armed insurrection as futile as it may be and it will be that, futile that's really coming from right and it's, it's funny, too, because those are the patriots. Those are the, we love the troops, blue lives matter. And who the hell is going to be crushing those people under their heel if they actually do take to the streets I'm gonna and take guess, action? I'm going to guess troops and blue lives. Bingo. I just, I'm... But like I said, oh yeah, Marvel anyway. can do whatever they want. Chuck Wendick. Yes. Mm. <laughs> All right. Marvel can do whatever they want, and... I'm tired of being angry. I, I was super pissed about the gun thing. When I read this about Wendig, I lost my shit. And so uh, I, I came home and I boxed up all my Marvel stuff. Wow. Uh, all the stuff on the shelf. If you look around, there's no Marvel stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's gone. You, you uh, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a boycott. It's not some kind wanna, of act of boycott. I just, when I see it, I get angry. And I'm tired of being angry. Mm. And so, yeah. I'm, All right. So, and quite frankly, I've, I've been a little calmer in the last couple of days, and I think that's part of the reason, because mm. I'm not seeing something that reminds me that I'm pissed about it. Well, let me both trigger you and, and uh, lighten, lighten you. the mood. But but you didn't box up all the Disney stuff. Wouldn't that also? No, because this was a Marvel Comics firing. Yeah. It's not, it wasn't from, as far as we're aware, this is not up from Disney. This is Marvel Comics, the editor of there, doing this. That's the position, yeah. So at dinner tonight, the discussion came up. Uh, if you were putting the Punisher into a D&D game, what alignment would you make him? Uh Lawful neutral, you think so? Mm-hmm. Okay. Apparently, apparently it's like wouldn't a th- be chaotic lawful. <laughs> okay. I don't know because I don't think he's lawful. Uh, I don't think he's evil. So he actually might be an interesting. I'm going to go totally opposite from Torgo, and he might be a, an interesting portrayal of chaotic neutral. Because yeah, now it, that I'm thinking about it. Lawful you know, doesn't work unless he's thinking in his mind. He's his own. I am the law. But right, I mean, because he he is less about. I mean, it, the thing about the Punisher. One of the things I think that makes him appeal is that he's not full on. Oh, you were jaywalking. He is. You hurt someone. You hurt an innocent person. And now I'm going to hurt. And, and now I'm you. going to hurt you. And and that's a little different from always obey the law mm-hmm. because he's definitely not obeying the law because he's running around shooting people, mm-hmm. even in, even as an act of vigilantism. Could you so, argue by that that he's kind of good? There's there, it yeah you know it that, depends on how you define tough. good. Yeah, that you got your nuances of good. 
because he's he's a vicious even in the comics he's he can be a vicious bastard he's definitely the, an end justifies the means kind yeah. of type uh, of character he defies the your black and white boxes of lawful your, your, and your, good and your nine way description mm-hmm. simplistic description of the universe. <laughs> oh, I'd like to see the monkeys' arguments on that. That All was right. a discussion. What'd you say? Don't don't you just walk away? I said I I it's way too complicated for me to figure out and I and I and I just I wanna bring it to the I wanna bring it to the game the, the show. It'd be interesting to see if people have something to say. Yeah. But you don't want to say. Oh, I, I, doesn't un- have an I honestly don't know. Oh, okay. I, I, I was I was he confounded by can't. the question because I started breaking it down. I was like, no, that doesn't work. No, that doesn't work. That doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. All right. True. In, in that case, news you don't give a shit about. So now, wait a second. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm what? sorry to interrupt. What? You got mad. Yeah. You, you boxed up your Marvel. Yeah. So why is that under news you don't give a shit about? Because news you don't give a shit about is also shit that makes us angry. Okay, that was the other thing that Jacob wanted to know, and he wanted to have that defined because he was confused by it. He wanted, you uh, figured it out eventually. Eventually, but I was having <laughs> trouble explaining it to him because uh, he was the, the point. He the one he made was the uh, the Lego Lamborghini was the news you don't give a shit about. Why was that there? Is it a Lamborghini Bugatti? <laughs> Whatever. When, when I go on it, the witness it, stand. It, it, it goes in whatever category he feels like it's going to go 35 in. years ago, Torgo, how did you feel about... I thought that The Warlord was the best comic I'd ever read. That's what oh, yeah. so some of it, <laughs> Pretty some good. has to do with your mood at the time you write it. Mike Grell. Sure. Okay. Right. Sure, that's... It's his knee-jerk reaction as he's reading the different. That's articles. right, and sometimes ah. I'm like, "Well, that really didn't belong there," but oh well. Today it does, and this does too. This is in the shitty news category. Bah. Sony has reportedly resolved an issue with the PlayStation Network messages that could cause a particular string of messages sent to a PlayStation Four to lock up the system until reset. After a slew of user reports came in via Reddit, the other social media accounts from PlayStation 4 owners that detailed the console seizing up and crashing. Word spread quickly online the issue could affect anyone's system. The problem stems from a message containing a particular string of characters that, when received by the PlayStation, causes the system to be sent into a crash loop, according to Ask PlayStation UK's official Twitter account. The issue, uh, which the Twitter account notes can be quickly fixed in under five minutes, allegedly seems to have been resolved. There are several steps players can take to avoid receiving a message like this in the future, such as deleting any messages from senders on the platform you don't trust or deleting it via the Sony PlayStation message app on iOS or Android instead of opening it and accessing it from the console. Uh, for those who have already received the message, it's possible to boot the console into safe mode and rebuild its database from there. So, yeah, basically somebody sends anybody from any of the world can send a string of characters as a message to your Xbox as long as you are not receiving, you're open to receiving messages. And uh, brick your system unless you go in and do some fixes. So it's a malicious thing. Yes. Oh, okay. So it's it's a string of characters. Yes. When you said messages, I was thinking, oh, so it's like the kids are playing Call of Duty, and it's you effing N-word, I'm going to other effing your your ass, and you... No, that's re- still allowed. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's locking up people's... Uh, gotcha. Wow. wow. Consoles. And some asshole figured that out and spread it around. Yeah. But it's fixed now, 
So there, I'm sure there's an update for the PlayStation 4 people that, Until the that's next video greeting you for the next time you boot up. But, uh, but yeah, that's a thing that existed for a little bit. News you don't give a shit about. Jeffrey LLC, the parent company that owns the rights to all the Toys R Us subsidiaries. Oh, Jeffrey with a G. That's right. Oh. Joffrey. <laughs> Has secured funding to revive the Toys R Us brand under a new name, Jeffrey's Toy Box. Oh, that sounds wrong. According to Toy Book, the new store will reportedly be a shop within a shop. With the Toy Box getting real estate inside existing retailers rather than reopening any of the stores abandoned by Toys R Us earlier this year. So our news last week, the Toys R Us is coming back, is true but only as renting out space in existing places and calling it Jeffrey's Toy Box. Hmm. So like that little set of racks in BNN would become Jeffrey's, Jeffrey's Toy Box. Box. Or they decide to rebrand the toy section in Target as Jeffrey's, Jeffrey's toy, toy Box. Box. So no, oh, we're not right. getting Toys R Us. We're just getting rebranded toy sections. Damn it. Yay. Yeah, that belongs in that category. That was right. Thank you. Well done, sir. Thank you. I I, I, I would like your judgment on the next news Good, you don't excellent. give a shit about. God damn you. <laughs> God damn you. I really wish Matt was here. Yeah. I just want to put it on the record. That Streaming I, service. I want Matt, Maple Leaf Matt, to be here for this news. Save it till next week. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> After announcing their new VR series, Vader Immortal. Oh, wait. Wait. This one, uh, this one doesn't belong. News you don't give a shit about. This is good, and I think everyone's going to agree with me. This is—is is this still the Matt one? So is this a transition? No, this this isn't a Matt thing. This is yeah, this isn't the Matt one. Okay. This is after announcing their new VR series, Vader Immortal, last month. Uh, Industrial Light Magic X Lab is tackling a slightly more cuddly character for its new mixed reality project, Porgs. Yay! <laughs> project Porg had a special sneak peek at Magic Leap's Leap Conference this week. A Magic Leap is an augmented reality yes. headset. Porgs taste like chicken. Uh, promises a game where, quote, you will need to gain the trust and affection of your Porgs by offering them treats and playing with them. Teach them how to maneuver real-world environments with care instructions from Star Wars' most meticulous droid C-3PO, unquote. After being introduced in 2017's The Last Jedi, the Porgs have infested their way into becoming among the most memorable and beloved critters of Star Wars lore. See? That is news that everyone gives a shit about. No, it's in the right category. No, no, no. I, I had it wrong. Pork, 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 I had pork. it wrong. Everyone loves Porgs. Yeah. Everybody loves porn? Yeah, that's they're, right. They're, <laughs> porgs, are, porgs are like, they have the cuteness of the Ewoks. Without being as annoying. <laughs> and they're delicious, too, according to Chewbacca. Apparently. Um, somebody, somebody pointed out that the Ewoks, you know, the, you're the one who has pointed out that they're murderous little oh, animals. Yes. Somebody pointed out that. And the one that pointed that out to me was Chuck Wendig. Yeah. <laughs> well, clearly, they've eaten somebody who's the same size as Leia before because they had a dress ready for her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stormtrooper helmets double as soup bowls. Mm. News you don't give a shit about. We kind of covered this a little bit in a offhanded joke. Uh, Iron Fist has been officially canceled by Marvel Television and Netflix after two seasons, becoming the first of the six series launched by the two companies to get the axe. 
A joint statement issued by both said Marvel's Iron Fist will not return for a third season on Netflix. Everyone at Marvel Television and Netflix is proud of the series and grateful for all the hard work from our incredible cast, crew, and showrunners. We're thankful for the fans who have watched these two seasons and for the partnership we've shared on this series. While the series on Netflix has ended, the immortal Iron Fist will live on, quote-unquote. Well, he's immortal. So he'll be, the character will still exist as as in in other shows. More than likely. Okay. And in in a completely unrelated news story, the Daredevil series is about to start back up. Nice. (laughs) Um, As I was going to say in the next sentence, as for the rest of the Marvel Netflix universe, season three of Daredevil will be available starting next Friday, October 19th. Yay. Uh, Mm. While Jessica Jones is currently filming his third season, second season of The Punisher is in the can and waiting a premiere date. Luke Cage is also expected to come back for a third go as well. Second season Punisher is in the can, playing Minesweeper and grunting. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's in the can grunting. <coughs> in the can grunting. Yeah. You see, man. Oh, he's, in the, he's taking a shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen Iron Fist, the second season of Iron Fist, but I've, I've been told it's better than the first one. Which it That kinda, seems to be kinda, the consensus. kind of has to be because the first one was a mess. <laughs> And I, 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 sorry, I keep yeah, repeating Yeah, but a this, polished turd is still a turd. But I love that character. It just annoyed me to have him fuck it up. I get, I get it. And the, when I watched it, I actually didn't think it was horrible. But I think because my expectations were set so low that it was going to be better than that oh, no matter what. Oh, you Hudson hawked it. Yeah. So that's great. Didn't see it. I wish I could it. Hudson hawked it. Didn't see it. I went to Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk was so well slammed by the time I got a chance to see it, which I saw it in the theaters. <laughs> oh, me too. I actually saw it twice in the theaters. Wait, what did you not see? Huh? What were you saying didn't see it too? Iron Fist 2. Iron two. Fist. Oh. <laughs> or even Iron Fist 1. I didn't see either season of Iron what Fist. What was my point again? Oh, wait. That's me. <laughs> wow. All right. Okay. Bad enough. Still loves me some. Bad enough news you don't give a shit about. Brain hurts trying to follow that. Yeah. Right. All right. Carry on. Too bad. It. News you don't give a shit about. News you don't give a shit about. Yep. You bastard. You betraying bastard. Apple reportedly. You secret pl- Hitler. <laughs> Apple reportedly plans to offer completely free of charge at least some of the content it's developing for its upcoming streaming service. So I'm listening. So long, that is, as you're part of Apple's device ecosystem. Fuck them. Citing unnamed sources inside <laughs> CNBC, uh, sorry, inside sources, comma, CNBC reports that Apple plans to feature its launch day streaming content at no cost for Apple device owners who have would have access to the platform through a dedicated app icon, much in the same fashion they access iTunes or the App Store. The ubiquity of the, ubiquity of the feature would be available on every device Apple sells may also inform the company's decision to forego edgier R-rated content in favor of material considered appropriate to anyone who owns an Apple device. In addition to the free original content, the platform also will reportedly provide an a la carte subscription-level point of entry to a slew of channels that, on the surface, looks much like Amazon's subscription add-on feature for Prime Video members who want to pay a little extra cash for HBO, CBS All Access, and Stars. The difference, of course, is the basic lineup of original Apple programming would be free from the start, as opposed to the annual charge that nets Amazon customers basic access to Prime Video, among other things. Long-term, Apple's strategy reportedly is to start charging for access to some of its original content when the time is right. 
The idea, according to CNBC, is to parlay the success of its in-house tentpole series post-launch into an enticement for would-be subscribers for a Netflix-like service. The first taste is always free. When it, when it does appear, the platform should have a healthy helping of sci-fi and fantasy content, including alt-history astronaut drama for all mankind. I think that's a show where the space race never ended. Fun. An adaption of Isaac Asimov's Foundation Trilogy. Mm. A reboot of Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories. Grr, an unnamed psychological thriller series from M. Night Shyamalan. And the futuristic epic C, starring Jason Momoa and Alfred Woodard. In total, Apple already has Whoa. reported two dozen projects in the works for its launch of its streaming service, which still doesn't have a release date or a name. Well, you are correct. That is in the right section. Except for me, because I just bought an iPad for work. <laughs> oh, so and I have my iPad yeah. too. I'll be I, 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 had, I, I bought a. I'm poor as a church mouse, but I've been working hard, and I made up enough money that I can invest in my career because I my digital character setup was terrible. So I now have an Apple an iPad Pro, so I can do digital caricatures. Okay. So I, th- I, thought I can I, watch this shit now. Right. As can I. But here's here's the issue that I'm concerned with is that it's like Jeff said, the whole your first taste is free thing. Just because they're making some of this content available to Apple owners from the outset for just having their equipment mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're getting the series for free. Mm-hmm. You're probably getting three episodes uh. to say, you like what you see? Buy the series for X or subscribe to Apple streaming service for X dollars and then X dollars for Adless version. This is of- where the plethora helps us. I can just choose not to. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But that's why I want to have Matt here right. because the streaming Oh, he stuff. was so bad. He'd be yep. so mad at that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that he so would. he can blame me again for. Yeah, it, it is your, your fault. Been your fault. <laughs> oh. yeah. The model does work because of you, Jeff. All right. Now the streaming news is done. Let's get into some. News don't give a shit about. You cock. <laughs> <laughs> a new streaming service aimed at providing short-form programming for viewers watching on their mobile devices is striking deals with some of the biggest names in the sci-fi, fantasy, and horror genres. The service, which is called uh, Quibi, maybe, or QB, uh, short for Quick Bites, has already ordered f- series from filmmakers Guillermo del Toro, Mang, and Sam Raimi. <laughs> In addition to Bloomhouse mastermind Jason Bloom, uh, Quibi is the brainchild of former Disney DreamWorks executive Jeffrey Katzenberg and one-time Hewlett-Packard CEO Meg Whitman. Bloom's project, titled Wolves and Villagers, was described by Katzenberg as Fatal Attraction 2.0. Interesting. Those two don't seem to mesh name-wise. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, while Raimi is developing a horror anthology series called 50 States of Fear that will focusing on frightening folklore tales, tales from all 50 states in America. The project that Del Toro is developing remains a secret for now. Katzenberg and Whitman's company, uh, Winderco, has reportedly raised $1 billion from all the major Hollywood studios, China tech conglomerate Alibaba, and entities that fund Quibi, which will a- aim to deliver big-budget cinematic programming in short 10-minute doses formatted specifically for viewing on mobile devices like smartphones and tablets. So the the 50 states of fear will be 10-minute things? Pretty much. One billion dollars. 
Uh, um, both the mobile Quibi app and the first shows are about a year out from launching, according to Katzenberg and Whitman. The pair are looking at making it a subscription service with a $5 a month plan that includes ads and $8 a month package that is ad-free. So another streaming service. Now, this, yeah, that's why I said this is another yeah. streaming service, but for posted stamp theater, because I, I can't watch. I, I, I got to confess, 50 States of Fear sounds interesting to me. The shows sound fine. Yeah. And the, the names behind it are amazing. Yeah. I'm not subscribing to shorts the service, though. And I'm not subscribing to a service that is directly aimed for small screens, because I don't watch shit on small screens if I don't have to. I mean, I'll go as small as my tablet if I'm stuck in my room, but that's pretty much just reserved for YouTube. If I'm going to watch any kind of series, if I can watch any kind of movie, it has to be on the television because I want the larger experience. Mm-hmm. Queeby. A lot of people are more interested in the portability than the, than the quality, yeah, of, I get it, than but the all quality this, of the viewing but experience. All this stuff is portable. Yeah. All the Your streaming TV is not are. portable. No, though. but all the streaming services are. Yeah. And this is one that's just saying, this is so you can have 10 minute bites at your break or between on the bus or okay, whatever. Yeah. Forgive the old man. So, how would you watch, for instance, on my new iPad, how would you watch Netflix on an airplane? Or could you? Like I said, if, if I don't have a choice, then yes, I will watch something on the screen. But chances are, if I'm on an airplane, I'm not watching something anyway, I'm reading. His, he is one of the, and I'm, I'm in there too, one of the shrinking demographics that wants to watch on the biggest screen possible. Sure. A lot of content consumers are now moving to whatever screen they have available, which in majority of the time is their phone. They're less concerned about the size of the screen that they're watching it on, but being able to watch it wherever they want and whenever they want. I but initial- most people still prefer to watch on a large screen. Yes. Because that's I- one of the things that I pulled out of this story is that I think it was like 60% still prefer to watch it on sure. a large screen. I initially but it's said also I- a shrinking demographic. Sure. I initially said that what's who, who the one wants to watch movies on a phone, but I, I've softened up on that. There are some things I would watch on a phone. Um, I got time but to I don't want to watch but, it. But, but there's stuff, you know, obviously anything that's the visuals are important. Mm. You know, I'll watch, you know, sitcoms if I'm, sure. you know, that kind of thing would be fine. But Now, my wife is one of those people that does not care about screen size. That it's like the, this, a smaller TV to a larger one. Why watch it on a larger one? You got mm. the smaller one that's a little closer. It's like my brain doesn't work that way. I can't. My brain can't do it. She but doesn't. she's but she's more than cool with it. So she doesn't care about matter. size. Yes, that's why yeah. she married me. <laughs> why she married almost me. in unison. That was good. <laughs> yeah. Um dick joke <laughs> <laughs> all right there are dick jokes but they're not all dick jokes Scoops. there you go um we just haven't had what a about fart joke sinking yet. devices i wonder in, how that in the tub I do, I, if they oh. make me mad you mean being able to like cast to a bigger screen like exactly. if you start watching i mean it like just I, depends on it depends on the service because like for instance hulu um, I have Hulu on my phone, but the majority of the time I cast it either to the living room screen or the screen so in my can, bedroom. Can the can little device um, it it uh, depends service do um, uh, it, block that? Can they prevent you from doing that? Yes, yes, they can. Oh, can they? Because, um, for instance, uh, prior to this year, if you tried to watch 
just the, the first example that's coming to mind is Monday Night Football. If you tried to watch that on the ESPN app, it would tell you that you needed a screen larger than a cell phone. Like they said, you may stream this to your Chromecast-enabled device or watch it on your tablet, but you could not watch it on your phone. So they can force you to stream it to a larger screen if they want to. And they can also completely block you from streaming. Well, that, um, that's my question is like, are, do they want you to watch it on the small more screen than so likely, you can't cast to your TV? I can't speak to Apple devices, but more than likely, if it's an Android device, they'll open up the API that allows them to cast to a Chromecast. Or Google Cast, I think, is what they're calling it now, because some TVs have it built in now. Being yes. a streaming yeah. service, though, they ha they have this in mind. I'm sure that if you want to watch it larger, they're not going to put something in place. Because it's pretty simple. It. I mean, you, all you do is tap the little wavy line button, and boom, it goes right onto your and if that's your the case, enabled device. If what that's the case, if you can cast, then fuck it. What happens it, if you pipe in wavy line bird? <laughs> then the whole thing explodes. I got and a, a big finger comes out of your screen, Cronenberg yeah. <laughs> like. Actually, a lot of the time, the, the when you type "wavy line bird," the, the screen says, "How dare you!" <laughs> <laughs> nice callback, sir. Okay, uh, that was enough of that. I'll torture anybody. Here we go. Weekend news you don't give a shit about. <laughs> Yay! You motherless son of a syphilitic yeah. whore. I wish Matt was Whoa. here. He'd be Wait a, a minute. puddle. He motherless? Would be a right now. Motherless son of a syphilitic whore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andy. <laughs> All right. In quantum dimensional physics, it can work. It can work. The, the chaos theory. <laughs> you son of a quantum dimensional mother. Warner Media, the corporate umbrella for HBO, Warner Brothers, and Turner Family of Cable Channels, is planning to launch its own subscription-based streaming service Good next year. God. Oh my God, it's like Matt knew not to come tonight. <laughs> In a bid to directly challenge Disney, Netflix, Amazon, and other entrants to the video-on-demand space. You mean AT&T, Time Warner? Yeah, that one. Uh, CNN Business reports the new service, which doesn't have a name yet, will feature HBO content along other, among other properties from the beginning and is slated to debut sometime in the fourth quarter of 2019. It's not known whether the new service would feature original programming, but there's certainly an extensive back catalog of franchises Warner Media can call upon if new content is, in fact, part of their plan. The company controls a large lineup of studio-driven movies and TV shows from Warner Brothers, DC Entertainment, HBO, and more, including Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, Westworld, The Conjuring, the Lego Movie Franchise, Hanna-Barbera Cartoon Catalog, Looney Tunes, Mad Max, and Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films. Its TNT holdings also give Warner Media free reign over sci-fi fantasy series like Snowpiercer, The Alienist, The Last Ship, Ridley Scott's upcoming sci-fi drama, Raised by wolves. One big question, though, may be how the new service approaches Warner Brothers' lineup of DC movies now that those films have found streaming home on DC Universe, which Warner Media also owns. There's no early word on how the platform might be priced or how Warner Media can successfully negotiate its way through the large number of existing cable agreements that give third party networks the rights to feature many of the movies that we want. One day, find out on the home on the new service. 
CEO John Stankley reportedly indicates Warner Media will try to strike a balance between promoting such content on the new platform and protecting its distribution relationship with conventional cable distributors. So <laughs> Warner Media streaming service probably has something to do with the fact that AT&T also owns DirecTV, which is another delivery content service. So a lot of those deals for the movie retransmissions for different cable networks would probably be covered under the deals that DirecTV had. But I am just speculating. I don't know sure. for sure. Uh, I know we're trying to nail Jill to the wall here now, but does anybody have any idea how many services there are, or is that a number that just... just as many going. as there are corporations with IP, I think. And that doesn't even include the smaller ones like that are featured as channels, a little more niche programming for like Amazon Prime and... Right. You can just subscribe to them on their own. Uh, things like Crunchyroll, for example, mm-hmm. and Shudder if you're a horror fan. And then there's Con TV, which is all Con-based Con stuff with, with uh, sci-fi fantasy horror movies thrown in as well. There's so many of them. There's ones that are just lectures from professors. Yeah. There are one. There's one that's just Broadway shows and oh, movie yeah. musicals. If there's a niche, there is already a streaming service for it. But these and corporations, these corporations are not niches. That's no. the thing. Mm-hmm. That's and the thing. There's there's major there's major stuff that really crosses the spectrum for pop culture that is being balkanized. What they'll probably start to realize soon. <laughs> Give me my notes back, Randy. <laughs> Wow, that was slick. He straight up just reached in. He just slick. Cartoon rabbit style and just snatched it right off my machine. He he actually got close to the board. That's actually terrible. That is very scary. And reached across whatever this drink cup was. This this big metal drink cup. Container with liquid. It should be empty. It it is empty, thank you. Kick his ass, Torgo. You can take him. I don't see any transition. Oh my god! <laughs> I think it's, it's all. It's all news. You here. don't give shit about. Yeah. You maybe you should hold on to that, Andy. No, maybe you should hold on okay. to that. <laughs> I, I, I just, I feel like the genesis for all of this is the that same corporate mentality where they're like, well, hey, if we can eliminate the middleman, i.e., the the separate content delivery service, we can garner more of the profit. By distributing it directly. Yes. And what they don't realize is a lot of people like to have a single source of a variety of content. So having to subscribe to multiple sources to get all the things they want. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, it's already led to an increase in piracy. I I read that online that because so many people are now having to go to 10 or 12 different streaming services to get the shows that they want the you know the bit torrents and i i don't know what other so I, i'm so out of that loop but all the different services that you would normally pirate content like that the streams are going way up the people are people are pirating things way Dude, more it, than they were it's not just just it, a few years ago tortuga isn't just bit torrent and stuff on computers it's also yeah. like uh, Firebox uh, and Roku like things. I dated Firebox. That was that was interesting. Yeah. Mm. Did you get your shots after? What I think is fascinating is they they nope. they haven't learned their lesson from 
No. The whole the whole Napster fiasco no. was that when you make getting content easy, people will pay for it. When you make getting content more and more difficult and more and more expensive, piracy goes back up. And they just have not learned that lesson. They mm. think when you build a paywall, some will build a ladder. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. So build a wall. So you don't it's going to be a fantastic a, wall. It's going to be an amazing wall. <laughs> you don't actually have a place where you say what the categories are, do you? Yeah. You just I, know I, where I wrote, it is. I write it right on here. Only it's, he knows where it is. <laughs> the difference is those are on here, on the, oh. the pages aside that you didn't steal. So you don't oh. know what my, my code is yet. Oh, okay. So you stole away the what's leading up to Weekend Geek! Yay! Todd, you're just encouraging him. In dark and dangerous ways. Yes. He just wanted it to be a genuine yay as opposed to a forced yay. And, I, and frankly, we're close to the end of the show, but I couldn't at least have some kind of good news. I need a palate cleanser. Yes, we do. Because right now the taste of shit is all that's in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> my soul is nearly destroyed from this show. I'm sorry, monkeys. Hi, Scoops. <laughs> <laughs> I got the taste of Tim Tams in my mouth. Well, tell him we said hello. Well, aren't you the special one? <laughs> Is he ever? James Gunn will be helming the upcoming sequel to 2016 Suicide Squad. DC Daily confirmed that the man who brought Guardians of the Galaxy to the big screen is, in their words, quote, the newest member of the DC family, unquote. The video podcast wasted no time delivering the news, either starting off the episode by not only confirming Gunn is writing and directing Suicide Squad 2, but he will offer what they call, quote, a fresh take on the franchise. Good there, on him. There are no details on what that could mean, but Suicide Squad has a lengthy comics history and a huge roster of characters to pull from. Right. It doesn't I mean it's suicide, the Suicide Squad is a different team every few issues, usually. Yes. Because yeah. usually one of them gets usually one of them dies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And this winds is, up dead. This is also something of a happy ending after news of the director's firing by Disney over some years-old tweets of his, which he'd previously apologized for, were resurfaced. Not all long after Gunn's firing came reports that other studios were waiting in the wings to snatch him up for future projects. Given that DC has been looking to find that cinematic sweet spot that Marvel has been enjoying for the better part of a decade, bringing Gunn aboard movies in that direction. Just last year, they brought in Avengers director Joss Whedon to finish Zack Snyder's Justice League after he had to bow out over a family tragedy. Before the news was official, Guardian star Dave Bautista, an adamant supporter of Gunn from the get-go, voiced his excitement over the possibility. He even offered to jump ship to the DCEU if it means he'll get to play a character in the forthcoming sequel. Oh, wow. He, what balls! Even, oh. <laughs> even David Ayer, who directed the first Suicide Squad, was on board with Gunn's involvement. Yay. Wow. I was I was going to say before the Batista quote is like if that's not the most subtle double fi double middle finger to to Marvel slash Disney, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. But Batista just took it a whole nother step. He's like, oh, yeah. he's like, look subtle. at look at me giving you the finger. Yeah, really. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look at me giving you the finger. Come on, look, look, look. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> Knowing what Gunn did with Guardians of the Galaxy, I yeah. can't help but be excited to what he sure. can do because yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, the way that he's framed it, is about yeah. a broken family, and they know more of a. Forced yeah. broken family than Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. I think he would it, give it a fantastic tone because you know the tone of the the suicide. I liked Suicide Squad, but I felt like 
the tone of the film could have been it's kind of broken more yeah it's it fun but it's broken could have been more enjoyable mm-hmm. and i think gun will do a fantastic job with it so yay and yay as a dc fan i'm excited <laughs> Let's see. We're, we're, we're nearing kind of the, the top end of where we should. But, I, but the news feels so good, i got to give some more news. Oh, this next one could go either way, though. The video game icon Mega Man is getting a live-action movie written and directed by Henry Joost and Ariel Schulman. The pair directed two of the Paranormal Activity movies, as well as the original Catfish documentary. Capcom made the announcement, giving it a statement that promised... An adaption that maintains the world of the Mega Man games while incorporating the grand production and entertainment value that Hollywood movies are known for, unquote. I feel like this should be in news you don't give a shit about. It kind of feels that way. The blue cad hero has appeared in animated cartoons before, including this year's Mega Man Fully Charged. There aren't any details about the live-action adaptation just yet. Because uh, yeah. pretty much everything you've said past live-action Mega Man, yeah. I, was like, I, I was like, huh? Right up to that point, and then, oh, uh, right it, after you said it, it action It doesn't anger me, but it doesn't interest me either. Yeah, and, and I, don't get me wrong, I, I like the Paranormal Activity movies, but that with Catfish, those are, well, one's a documentary, and the other one are, the other ones are documentary style. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're found footage films, so they're, it's, it's an interesting choice. Found footage video writers. game film, kind of an interesting concept. That would be neat. Yeah. I might get That's behind That's not what they're that. going to do here. That's not what they're yeah. going to do. <laughs> And yeah, I I think this was mis misplaced, and so we're right back to yay. New, new, now new, Kirsten's new, happy. Don't no, no give shit about, and I feel dirty again. Smile on my face, folks. Dirty. What makes you dirty? Write to us. Comments at uglycowshow dot com. Oh, this is gonna be so good. You didn't get into the sad news there. I see. It was all sad news. <laughs> he wants well, he wants obituaries. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 Paul Allen, co-founder of Microsoft, died today. Oh, that's... Yeah, I noticed you didn't have that in there. I definitely didn't have that in there. Anywhere in there. But that is a very geeky thing, because he's a very geeky guy. <laughs> yeah, yes, he is. Yes, he was. Um, Science Fiction Museum. As opposed Science to Science yes. Fiction Museum, Experience Music Project. Um, he had... You're a, right. He had an explore. He had an exploration ship that went out and found shipwrecks and treasure... And all kinds of crazy stuff. He he co-funded yeah, right. this the uh, civilian space uh, race that's going on right now, where you know you'll have someday in the very near future be able to take a ship into low Earth orbit and experience weightlessness, uh, like Virgin Galactic, I think was the yeah. name of the company. And he doesn't fire up a fatty on Joe Rogan and make the stock <laughs> plunge. <laughs> So, not, you know, best of both worlds. Not to mention he also owned the Seattle Seahawks. and Oh, uh, is that sports, guy? Sports, okay. Paul Allen Sports. Wow. No, I saw, I saw I You're that. You're trolling, in your aren't you? No, no. A, a friend of mine who lives in Seattle posted uh, Oh, that. oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wait, it, wait. Your but, friend posted that the guy that owned the Seahawks died? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And he's a sports, nerd, too. Sports, That's the weird sports, thing. Sports. But he was the more technical of the two yeah. between him and... Um, Job, no, uh, 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 god damn it, Bill Gates. Well, Job. Bill Gates and Paul Allen co-founded Microsoft. Okay, Bill Gates was more of the businessman, and Paul Allen was more of the technical. Okay, so when you think original Windows, Man. it was Allen. Although it, he, it was he had basically Allen's left before Parsons Project. 
Ah. <laughs> he had actually left before Windows because he was only with the company for eight years because he left to fight cancer. And then... Did he win? He beat cancer. Okay. He got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and beat that. Holy and then, crap. And then the lymphoma reoccurred. What the hell finally killed him? Lymphoma. Oh. He, he recently announced mm. that he was battling it again and had just started chemotherapy <sighs> and uh, unfortunately succumbed at age 65. Dude's a fighter. Yeah. That's great. Um, it's kind of the perfect ending for this downer of a show. Well, <laughs> no, hell? I mean, I'm just saying, hey, so, I, I'm, I'm not saying be down about it. I'm saying celebrate this guy. This, he did some amazing things. He there was you also go, a, Jeff. He was a huge philanthropist. He donated he was. a huge portion of his fortune. In fact, that's why he's like something like the 15th richest man in the world, because he gave away more than half of his fortune. And he also funded a lot of startups and a lot of charities and he just he had his hands in so many different things. you're right isn't he was an amazing man is yeah so i think and, that's and a his, way to end on a positive continues. yeah See, exactly he didn't have to write it torgo i don't have to write shit in fact when i i wrote shit it turned out evil and mean yeah. <laughs> well that's that's your own betrayal mechanic coming to bite you <laughs> on the ass so by the time people hear this my acting premiere will have happened it's happening ah. tuesday night which is well maybe i don't know about that right. Um, so I'm going to be, uh, I've got a, I've got a small speaking role in a short called, uh, Hello Darling that was put together by, uh, Anias, uh, Penny Pibbets. Um, and then Thursday, uh, there'll be a panel at the Clark County Book Festival, uh, with the, with the, with the people who were in the short story I, uh, book I was in. Oh, terrific. Yeah. So How long's comes, the book festival going on? Uh, Book festival is one day, but there's oh. a there's a panel on Thursday, and then there's some party Friday, and then there's a festival Saturday. The fest the book festival is this Saturday. This Saturday. Where's that at? That is down at the Fifth Street historic Fifth Street School downtown Las Vegas. Okay. And isn't there a get together at Millennium Fandom Bar this week as well? There's a get together tomorrow. There uh, is a challenge. Oh, at yeah. the Millennium Fandom That's Bar. That's right. Because the gauntlet was dropped. Jake called me and Jamie out. So. Uh, as you, you can hear, I've got the cold, but it's not going to keep me from going to this, unless just a, it, a, I'm obliterated. You shalt laugh the smackdown. I shall try to laugh. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going up against two strong opponents, and there could be more, because he put the opening out to other people. That's what? Right. What for? So, it is a, what? What? That's it for Geek Shock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it is the Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition is the challenge. And so, yes, that's if you're interested, come on by Millennium Phantom Bar. I don't think we've announced a time. He hasn't, so I don't know what time yet this is happening. So watch. Six o'clock. So watch. Seven o'clock or something. I believe it's on the lair. So, yes, that's it. Go to the Shock Monkeys lair on Facebook if you want to be a part of it. The invite is out. I'm sorry. Yeah, you you need to come with me. It's it's a networking thing for you. I, I, no, it's not that. I'm working all week, so I can't do anything at night. Because after I work during the day, I have to go home and log on on the job. So you're not and, coming and, with me tomorrow. And look at things like pictures of Michelle Obama with the caption "35 years ago, Kavanaugh touched my penis." Ugh. And it's just like, I don't envy your job. Uh, are, oh my god! All right, just for that, I'm I'm reading one more good news thing. <laughs> good, just to just to just to scrub out the pipes. 
American Gods and Sandman creator Neil Gaiman has inked an exclusive deal with Amazon Studios to help develop new shows for Amazon Prime. Ooh. The company is currently working on a TV adaptation of Good Omens, a novel he wrote with Terry Pratchett in 1990. Gaiman said that his experience with Good Omens convinced him to sign on the dotted line. That show is expected to drop sometime in 2019, so Neil Gaiman, exclusive deal for Amazon Prime if you're part of that streaming service. Yeah. Yes, we are. Good on Neil. And the film adaptation of Michael Crichton's Micro at Amblin Entertainment has found writers in Neil Widner and uh, Gavin James, both of whom are credited as scribes on San Andreas 2, and Now You See Me 3. (laughs) Reports deadline. Is there a question mark in the title? Is that a movie I don't know? No, I think I added that in my soul. (laughs) I just... Now you can. Now you see me was good. The sequel was okay. I just don't know if it is worthy of a third. Sequel. Well, you're getting one. Crichton's final novel before his death in 2008, Micro, was finished by Richard Preston, who used the late author's notes to piece together the finished product. Wow. The plot revolves around a group of graduate students who find themselves shrunken down in a Hawaiian jungle and must rely on their scientific wits if they are to survive. Frank Marshall, longtime producing partner of Steven Spielberg, is producing the film with Lawrence uh, Brubaker, who did The Warriors, <laughs> and Crichton's widow, Sherry Alexander. No director is attached, but this has reportedly been a passion project of Spielberg's since the book was published in 2011. So there, we'll finish on some... So shrunken down how small... I'm guessing pretty darn small. <laughs> like really small? Or is it just going to be a whole bunch of like Deepak, uh, what's his name there? Uh, Deepak Chopra? Not that. Uh, the, <laughs> the guy from uh, Willy Wonka. I Help. don't know. Those two guys are on the phones. They're out. I know. What the <laughs> hell? I, they, they've already they've already cashed out. Who's, no, I'm, I'm listening. I just, I don't know. The little person from... Uh, Oompa Loompas? The guy that played all the Loompa Loompas in the Willy Wonka. Oh, Deep Roy. Oh, Deepak. Deepak. Yeah, Deep Roy. Yeah, Deep Roy. (laughs) Deepak Roy. Deepak Roy. I was going to say Deepak (laughs) Chopra, but nope, that's the the guru. (laughs) Oh, my brain went into a completely weird place. Loompa. Loompa Deepak. Weird place. No, I'm going to guess it's small enough so that, you know, I'm going to guess Ant-Man size. Okay. That's what I'm going to guess because I haven't read Micro. I guess I should eventually. Eh, whatever. Like you're going to read anything. And until next week, I'm Master Targo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact checked in. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. We we need to get these show notes over to Matt. Yeah, uh, really. Let him yeah. know that all these just streaming take services pictures, are take coming. Take pictures Dude, of it and, and text it to him. We need, a, we need a, um, one of those uh, Fuck you, Torgo. conspiracy wall charts of all of the streaming services. Get some That's yarn a, and, yeah, and yarn, some push pins. That sounds like a job for Jeff because he's the one that knows that AT&T owns this and so on. He's yeah, the one exactly. that can put the yarn AT&T together. AT&T owns everything now, God damn it. See? Wait, wait a minute, what see? about see? Disney? I see. Oh. Hold on. You have the big box Disney up here. You have the big box AT&T up here. Did we? Okay, we just did the cloak. Did we do the opener? Did we say our names yeah. in the opener? Yeah, we sure yeah. did, man. Yeah, because he what? beep-booped. Was I there? Yeah. Yeah. You commander K'd it. Oh. Yeah. Oh, good. And you're driving? That's great. <laughs> you got your own car. No, I know. I'm worried about you. I love you, man. I don't want you dying on me. Drive him home, it's Andy. because I own the house. Well, that helps, too. Unless you feed the cat. Yeah. How is Kit? Kit's doing fine. He's playing with all the toys all the that new people toys. gave me. Read and uh, he's uh, he actually uh, missed... Uh, 
missed us during Scoop Fest because, uh, you know, we were out for so long. So I actually opened up the front door and the back door to get a little cross ventilation going. And he was beside himself with, I can go out front. I can go out back. I can go through the house. I don't have to go around the house. I'm going to. And then all of a sudden he had the zooms and he was just pew, 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 shooting everywhere. So he had a ball. I love when kitties get the zooms. Yep. All right. So so this is Jeff's book, 99 More Reasons to Hate Cats. Dave Rader gave me that. Cartoons for cat lovers. Uh, Dave Rader. Awesome. Uh, so I'm just going to read a few. Do you, do you agree? Okay. Uh, reason 56. If you want to show your cat to guests, the cat disappears. No. Uh, if you don't want your cat around guests, the cat appears. Uh, well, if, if the guest if the guest is Matt and, and Matt hasn't taken his allergy pill, yeah. 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 Okay, okay. That was a, um, reason 69. The occasional litter box misfire. Occasional. (laughs) (laughs) I bought a high side box. The second litter box I've had to buy. Why don't you get one with the built-in cover so it's completely enclosed? uh, Because those are a fucking pain to clean, removing the cover and all that. My parents had those for their cats and it's just, I no. I'm happy to say I've never seen this litter box. (laughs) Reason 84. A stray cat becomes your cat if you're not careful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, reason 96, living with cats means living with kitty decor. Not kitty decor? so much. We have the sign. You have a I sign? What's your sign? <laughs> <laughs> Duncan bought this sign that I... It, it, I think it says "Beware Cat" in German. It, it, it says, it's like "Fighting Cat," "Vorsicht," or something like that, which is the "Beware" part, and then it's "Kampfkatzen." So it's uh, it was really funny. One of my friends came in and was like, "Struggle cat." It's like "Kampf" means more than that. So yeah. I, I prefer to think of it as "Battle Cat." Yes, gotta get. Get, get him dyed green. Give him some <laughs> orange stripes. I have the power too. <laughs> <laughs> Bong. Bong.